And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Makes it a two-point game. There's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luca. Deep three on Hello, welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. You know me, you know Dave. We're here to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. Um, that's that's why we call it a Dallas Mavericks podcast. Um, it's subtle. I mean, right. a, a lot a lot of what we do on this podcast is very subtle. So yeah, you got to read between the lines a lot. You know, we're walking between those lines, and and let me tell you, there's not a lot of space between the lines. It's they are very close on an axis. We're I mean, not talking like an X and a Y axis here. Like these are. Is it 94 by anymore. 50? It's actually a good amount of space between those lines. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, although less space when you are a seven-foot NBA athlete. That is that is true. Less yeah. space when you lose Seth Curry. Did you know that um, Nate Hinton, a uh, a favorite of the mm-hmm. Mavs front office and Mavs mm-hmm. fans, Mavs analysts, Mavs everyone. I mean, how, how can you not love a player who, as a shooting guard, averaged nine rebounds in college? Yeah, man. Hinton High uh, over here. He he grew up playing basketball at his father's church on carpeted gym, like a, oh. his, the, the gym had carpet on it, and and I talked to him about that, and I was like, he was like, it's, it was small. It was a, uh, yeah. you know, he had to tape out the three point line, and and by the time he taped out the NBA range three point line, he was about standing at the opposite free throw line or something like that. So. Uh, man, the type different types of gyms I've played in. I've definitely played in a carpeted gym. Uh, I played in a gym that had like tile for the Ew, court. What? Played in a gym that had spongy tile. So that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, that, that like what do they call that? Like Playtech, where, where something like, like that. You can you can like literally dig your fingernail into it and like. But it was slippery. I didn't it was really it was slippery. It was odd. Well, th- no, this one was odd. The one I can remember was it was a was like a junior year basketball tournament, and it was it was like almost rubbery. It's almost a very weird surface. Very what very kind strange. Of, what kind of gym are the Mavericks playing in this year? Um, in a very empty one. Empty. Yeah. yeah, an echoey one. I mean, if if you want a uh, if you want a wonderful transition, they're playing in a gym very sadly without JJ Barea. Ah. You know, and we we talked about this before it happened. Uh, It it was really the logical move. Uh, Yeah, I don't think anybody was surprised. Still sad though, man. I watched I watched his sort of uh, his little press conference on the way out, and yeah, here I'll I'll give a I'll give the nut graph to this uh, to this podcast, which I haven't done yet, um, which is journalism turns for what you're about to hear. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Brea now in the past tense in terms of his Mavericks career. And, uh, and and definitively that that he has moved on, and, and then we'll get into some rotation stuff, and you know from an article I wrote. But yeah, you know, we we have to we have to talk about Brea. You know, we can, like you said, we discussed logically why it had to be him. 
I, I think I said it on this podcast. I've certainly said it to some people. You know, I, I was hoping I was wrong. I was hoping it would be some other outcome. If I had just been a colossal dumbass who totally saw a, you know, didn't see a path forwards for them to keep Brea and, you know, also make logical, smart roster moves. Um, I would have just, you know, pranced around with a, with clown makeup on my face for, you know, a week straight. I would have been fine with that. I, I, I was willing to be the clown if it meant Brea. Uh, hanging around but but logically it was it was the only only path forward for the team and in the, the roster and and the moves they made he's a legend man he is he is a dallas mavericks legend and and i i don't think that can be said enough just everything that he has represented to this franchise you might not have a title in 2011 without berea like i think that there's an argument to be made i, I don't think there's an argument i think i think it's stronger than that like he was the definitive changing fact i mean it was i mean i guess if, if there's an argument the argument is to be made it wasn't so much about berea but just changing you know putting a more dynamic player into the starting lineup kind of shifted the way that the offense ran and the game started but that player was berea and he deserves the credit for that right Does right that make sense? no no exactly exactly yeah, that's a that's a really good way to look at that. But right. I mean, you know, obviously he was there. He was there when when the team needed him, when Carlisle needed him. He was the one that they turned to. And because of the way we view sports, which is, mm-hmm. you know, based about who was in the right place at the right moment, you can become a hero just by, you know, being standing in the right place. I mean, he, he's the LeBron stopper. Yeah. Well earned. Yeah. Well deserved. Yeah. 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 I feel I feel like I'm I'm uh, I feel like my my big picture stuff is uh, almost sounds like it's taking something away from brand. That's the furthest thing from what I'm trying yeah. to do. Um, I mean, just, just, you know, the, the way he broke through, I, I, I think the season I really started watching the Mavericks was the season he broke through, which was a uh, 08, 09. I, I want to say he played a little bit 07, 08, but I, I started watching them in 08, 09. He started breaking through in, in 08, 09. I remember he was a, a disliked player um, for internet message boards and and twitter users and and you know mass moneyball communities and you know all those people tended to not love berea because you know i i guess i guess at the time he was he was a little ball poundy and and people would would be like look at the short dude like there's no way you can play defense and you know i i think that it it, it took me a while and uh, to realize just how much better he made every player around him. Like he, you know, the mastery he gained of an offense and and just how to run, you know, just perfectly run a pick and roll. Um, something he really showed when he came back in his second stint. And and, you know, just just his almost a magical ability to to stop, start, stop, start. You, you know, we talk about Luca, Luca and his hesitation, mm-hmm. James Harden and his hes- hesitation. That's absolutely something Brea had like one of one of his best qualities you know just like that that quick acceleration i don't think he was actually quite as athletic in that specific sense as as luca and and kind of the stopping ability but boy he knew how to use it like it, it was it was a it was a you know just a mastery of a of a kind of a skill which which allowed him to to really master the pick and roll uh in my view and and that's that's what made him you know, such a vital piece of this, this, uh, this team for, you know, really six ish seasons, seven, some, something around there. Yeah. The, uh, no Jersey retirement, right? Mm, I, I think I would, I think I would. Hmm. It, it, it depends. You know, uh, if he was a Laker, maybe not. 
You know, they're not going to retire Derek Fisher's jersey, right? Sure. But the Mavericks have had slightly lower standards, you know, and that and that is naturally, you know, what a a team with less success would would uh would have. They have Derek Harper and they have Brad Davis, you know, two two guards, you know, two journeymen or or not really journeymen, like role playing longtime role playing guards who were pivotal to the you know to the team over over decades. You could make an argument that those two players shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And perhaps Cuban, you know, kind of has distanced himself from doing things like that and and thus Brea will not be shooed in. But he's absolutely as deserving as those two. And the fact that he was actually on a title team and and was so instrumental there and and all of that, you know, I, I think that he has a very worthy case. It's really just where you set the the uh, the criteria. And if you want to set it higher, if you want to have a, you know, just a, an incredibly strict standard of what it takes to get a jersey retired, go ahead. That by all means. I mean, it's 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 a what you make of it. But he is a he is a legend and a and a truly a maverick who who represents you know their their franchise in in so many moments and in so many ways that I would have no problem doing it. You know, there's what a hundred numbers that you can pick from. Uh, yeah, you pick from zero. That's the, so I, that's I know the how to do math. Thing. I know you can't do a hundred like zero. Right. Uh, really, there's a hundred and one. You can do zero zero now, right? Yes, you can do double zero. I mean, that's the funny thing about the Jersey retirement is that a lot of people think it needs to be some kind of a special thing and you only reserve it for Hall of Famers. But the truth of the matter is, man, I actually like when teams just retire guys that meant a lot to the organization for a good period of time. Even if you're not a great player, I think it's it's fine to retire those jerseys. Yeah. Um, you know, it, this is not a Boston Celtics situation, right, where you just – they had a league that had eight teams in it. So all the great players were, you know, basically <laughs> consolidated in a couple of places. Um, you've got a league. There's no way they're going to run out of numbers. I mean, eventually they'll retire 77. That's not taking right. a, a number from, you know, future generations. Cause not a lot of guys are wearing 77. Although uh, that's probably going to change. Now. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say that's probably going to change. So, but yeah, right. I, I look, I, I'm not the type of person that, really like gets upset about uh jersey retirements or anything like that now tribute videos oh they hand those out too liberally uh but jj <laughs> will get a really good one so that'll that'll be yeah fun. i mean that's that's i think you, you think you just landed on it like the team needs to appropriately honor and celebrate what bram into this franchise in whatever way they see fit of doing that i i will leave that to them but i demand that he is appropriately tributed if you will I think he does mean some, you know, it's not just that he spent eight years here. Devin Harris spent eight years here um, between his two stops, but but he doesn't mean as much as someone like Berea. I think even the same goes for someone like Dwight Powell, an unfinished career. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But I, I would lean towards pointing at Berea and and just, you know, what he represented, the the the, the cult fandom that that he ended up kind of bringing the personality, what he, what he did behind the scenes, all, all those things. And then, you know, I, I think crucially the, the, the pivotal role in the finals when you combine all of that stuff, he means something more to this franchise than all but five or six other players. Um, maybe ten. I don't know. I'd have to. I guess I'd have to look at the list. It, and- it might be. It might be more. But listen, the, this this modern era, uh, the the championship. I, I think. Yeah, retire the number. Let's do it. Yeah. Let, you yeah. and I will retire the number if they don't. <laughs>
Nobody we on will. this podcast will ever wear what's his number? Dude, I don't yeah. I, I do not recognize like numbers. Like there are like seven basketball numbers that I know. I know this is crazy. I know that most people can say every number of every player on the team and, and things like that. I that my brain does not work that way. He was number five. I just looked that up. Yeah. He was also number eleven for a period of time. Here here's my thing is like growing up, <laughs> I definitely knew every number. Now I know these guys' faces. I don't care about the numbers. Yeah. 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 And it's it's I think especially basketball. Like you yeah. know numbers more in football because mm-hmm. they wear helmets or soccer because your camera is further away from where the players are actually playing. Uh, last thing on Brea is just that I do not plan for this to be the last time that I, you know, do stuff for the athletic.com that, that is, that is trying to appreciate him. Um, hopefully with him in, in person or not in person, but, but, you know, directly talking to him over appropriate internet means of communication about, you know, just, just some highlights from his career and things like that. So, so that's a, that's a hope and, and hopefully that, that will, that will come in time. And, and, you know, if you want to be prepared for that, theathletic.com slash 77 minutes in heaven. I think they, I think they, they still got a good deal there. Buy one gift one right now. So if you buy Ooh. a subscription, you can send a gift to a loved one. Or, I mean, mm. honestly, you, you flip the script, send a gift to an enemy. <laughs> Why uh, not? See, so yeah, that's fair. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. You want to talk about um, rotations? Let's do that. Let's do that. Because they've got some decisions to make while while they're shuffling the deck chairs, waiting yeah. for Porzingis to come back. Honestly, like I, I'm I'm lower on them now than I was, you know, during the playoffs because of Porzingis missing time. I just think that they're going to be shorthanded. So I, I'm really curious to see 
how they how they handle those minutes in the front court. In, in fairness to Porzingis, I can heavily relate with him delaying his surgery because he thought he had more time before the season starts. Yeah, me too. Frantically scrambling to get in two weeks of vacation. (laughs) I've got people doing construction (laughs) inside my house because I was like, there's no way we're back to full time before January. There's just no way. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. Me, me taking a week of vacation last week and having, having people yell at me for not, for not uh, creating more, more Mavericks content. Is uh is my version of of Chris Tapp's delaying his surgery now, now being late. Um, I feel I feel more for Przingis. That that's honestly rough. Like that's honestly a you know such a such a such a bad turn of events for him in a year full of bad turn of events for everyone. I I, I agree. I I mean I think that pretty obviously um, based off the first two preseason games, the team starting lineup will be. Uh, Luca Richardson, Finney Smith, Hardaway, Powell. Mm-hmm. That's a, it. Seems about right. Yeah, they, I mean, they started both games with it. That there was some fluctuation last preseason, but this is not a normal preseason. This is not a preseason where you're, you know, toying going around with ideas to see how they look together. This is a preseason where you pick your best five, you know, the five players you want to start, and you put them on the court together because they have barely played together. You know for more than seven days now or something like that. There is no time for, you know, messing around and trying different things. That will be the five that start. I am 99% certain. And I think that the, the only argument that can be made otherwise is whether um, if Powell continues to, to not be at his best, if he continues to be, you know, 60, 70% of the player he is athletically, he looks all right. in the, in the first two games, I don't care what he looks like these first two games, except like getting to the regular season and we can start, you know, giving him more scrutiny then. Mm-hmm. But you know, if, if he's, if he's 70% of the player he is for, for the first couple of weeks of the season and Kali Stein is, is playing as well as he is, I, I would be interested in seeing what he looked like with the starting five as a, you know, just really at, um, energetic, um, perhaps mm-hmm. sometimes in, in the wrong ways, but an energetic uh, five guy who can roll and, and dunk and uh, shoot threes. Um, hit a couple threes in the preseason game. I wonder if we might see some James Johnson at the five. I, I mean, he's big, sets good screens. You know, maybe you could sneak a couple minutes there if you want to get out and run a little bit. Um, and you're not quite wanting to go to Cauley Stein. I mean, you're going to give up a ton of rebounding, but you'll be hard to guard. A, a really interesting Johnson idea that was um, told to me by Nate Duncan. I went on his podcast to preview the Mavericks. Nate Duncan has a podcast? I know. Crazy what the world's coming to. Can you believe this? Yeah. But Duncan was saying that you know, as we talked about, and we've talked about this on our pod, on this pod, that, you know, the, the Mavericks are a little bit light on secondary ball handling. Mm-hmm. He was like, Johnson can be that. Yeah. And it just kind of clicked in my head. And I was like, oh, yeah, he can do that. And again, Johnson is, is you know, at best the, the 10th rotation player. Um, he is not bringing the ball up the court, you know, 99% of the possessions. He is not... Um, you know, he's not going to be a point guard. He's not even going to be as, as you know, good as, you know, hopefully Josh Richardson. But he is able to take the ball above the three-point line and do a few interesting things and be stable and create some things. And, and, and yeah, I, I like him with Luca. you know, as, as we keep thinking about 
Um, how do we make sure that Luca isn't always burdened with doing everything within the starting five? I, I think we're looking pretty heavily at Josh Richardson. I'm very curious to see what he looks like as, as the season gets going and, and whether he can be more of a creative force than someone like Hardaway, someone like Finney Smith. Um, I think he can. I'm optimistic about that. But I think that James Johnson in the starting five is, is a good use of him, you know, um, you know, tossing him in there. I like, I like him there. I, I like him with, with the starters. Like, I feel like he's the type of veteran mm-hmm. who has, you know, no usage, you know, no, uh, you know, you don't need to feed him. He, he has no, um, what's the word? What's the he's going to, he's going to get his on the margins, right? Like, yeah, he is a Tony Graffanino, right? <laughs> he is a utility guy. How, how I mean, does that mean? Explain. Well, Tony Graffanino was a great utility baseball player. Not great no, as baseball. in like Hall nope, of Famer. On. Nope, but nope, nope, don't care. U- utility guy, meaning... Uh, Catalanada, can, though. Oh, okay, there you go. So he yeah, can just do a lot of Rangers. things, and he's not excellent or, or elite at any of them, but he does them all with competency. And yeah. just having those guys on a team that, frankly, isn't very deep, it is, it's deep, in like the small guard area, but nowhere else. And so just having a guy who can guard on the wing, who can kind of guard on the post, who can sort of slide over and help defense, who can sort of bring the ball up, who can sort of pass, who can sort of shoot. Like those guys matter so much, in particular with this shortened offseason. He's going to be able to fit in much faster than any of the guys they drafted. Or, I mean, potentially even guys coming back from injury because, you know, he's been healthy. So I think that he's going to be useful. And, you know, I, I read your article and we talked about him a little bit on the last show, I think. And we mentioned that whatever his role is in December, it's unlikely to be that in May. But he can yeah. get him to May. Yeah, that's a that's a good description of what he can be, what he should be. Like like you said, um, you know, you're right that there's not a lot of, you know, when, when you start the season without Porzingis, with, with Powell needing to rest, uh, with, with injury concerns, uh, their, their big man depth does look lighter. When they're fully healthy, that, that's going to be a different story, of course. And as I kind of like physically built out a rotation, which is mostly worthless, it, I mean, the, the rotation is never going to look like this. You know, it's, it's kind of more just of a thought exercise to see like this is how it could play out. But as I built it out, one thing I realized is I was I was struggling to find enough minutes um, because I took a fully healthy roster. I was find I was struggling to find enough minutes for Porzingis, uh, Powell, and Kleba. You know, three players who we think will all be in the you know in the regular rotation. If I started Finney Smith at at the four, if I you know if, if the starting lineup was what we expected to be on opening day, but Porzingis is instead of Powell. All of a sudden, that's that's twelve minutes going to Finney Smith to open the game, and he's playing as a nominal big man, and and then I put uh, Johnson in there as as a power forward, and and that that sucked up eight more minutes, and all of a sudden, I, I you know I'm playing Dwight Powell twenty minutes a night and and Maxi Kleba twenty four minutes, and, and that's with a very generous twenty eight minutes for Porzingis, you know, trying to account for injury stuff and you know just overall reducing his workload. So, so that that was the moment where I was I, I kind of came around on the idea of of doing what the Lakers did last season, where you always you know during the regular season for most games you have a big man next to Porzingis, 
you know, when he's on the court and healthy. I, I think the benefits are that that you you do get more minutes out of your your all your bigs, like the the six bigs you end up having. You know, you're able to kind of spread out the minutes better. And, and then there's the the wear and tear stuff, which I don't know how much that is real or not. Um, I'd be curious to ask a doctor, um, to ask a, a, a sports uh, physiologist. I, I think that's something I will do next month, you know, as Porzingis starts coming back. But centers, you know, like star centers seem to always prefer that. They complain about, you know, the wear and tear of always playing center. So, mm-hmm. you know, at least it's a mental thing if they complain about it that much. So I, I think I'm okay with it. I, I think I'm fine with that. You You can always work towards your best lineup in your best lineups, which will be, you know, which will always have Brzingis at center as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay taking the first six minutes and it's a, it's a preventative approach. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, a conservative approach to minute wear and, you know, wear and tear, like I was saying. I think that makes sense. I, I'm coming around on it. Yeah. You, like, no, I'm, I'm with you here. No, no, I'm with you. I, look, the, the biggest thing in, in, in the NBA right now is just flexibility generally, right? Some nights you're going to start KP at center. Some nights he's going to play next to Powell. He might, there may be games where he is playing next to Boban from the start. That may happen, but that's a good thing, right? Like you want to be able to go through all these lineups, especially in this season. This is a team that expects to make the playoffs. I expect to see a fair amount of experimentation once they hit their stride, meaning everybody's healthy and they're trying to figure out their best lineups for the playoffs. Right. But I'm, I'm still worried about that first month. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see who steps up from a scoring perspective. Uh, I'm not sure that it's going to be any one person. It may be a few, Like can Trey Burke play like he played in those really good games that he had in the bubble. That's going to be well, big, but you know, and that'll help. Twenty twenty three points from Josh Richardson in, in the second preseason game. Well, that wouldn't hurt. <laughs> that wouldn't hurt. Nah. But yeah, I, I just think having that flexibility is important. And, and and again, their guard depth can cover a little bit for some of the, the the scoring and spacing that they get from Porzingis. So you know, it might it might even be while he's out, they're still playing these you know generally smaller lineups with Dwight Powell as your center, um, like we've seen so far. You coached a team once, right? Somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. I've coached basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. How, how uh, hard is it actually to, to make a rotation? It's really difficult. Uh, it's really hard to make a rotation. Like, have you forgotten players on the bench? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, not everybody's going to play, number one. Right. Um, but when you're trying to figure out a rotation, number one thing that you're trying to figure out is, is your lineup combinations and also everyone's like physical limitations. So if right. you've got guys that are, are well-conditioned, you know that you can leave them out there for longer stretches, and it allows you to buoy some of your second units. But if if your guys aren't in good shape, then it gets to be a little bit trickier. I mean, this is one of the things that Miami has the benefit of. Everyone right. is in such good shape that they're able to to really do some interesting lineup combinations because of how long – like Jimmy Butler can go play 14 straight minutes. Now, he doesn't do it often, but he can. And just having that flexibility from night to night is pretty important. Uh, and then obviously it changes based on matchup and stuff like that. But it's really, really hard when you're sitting down before that first scrimmage or that first actual game, um, you know, the night before, and you're sitting there drawing up your minutes and you're like, ooh, 
man, uh, this player definitely is not getting enough minutes, but I don't know where I'd take him from. And then, mm-hmm. and then you – then you go into the game and you throw that rotation out the window and you start coaching from your gut <laughs> and somehow it works out. That's funny. I've only done, I'll be honest. I've only actually followed a rotation that I, that I drew up the night before a game. That was like part of my process night before. Here's my expected rotation. If everything works out well, this is when our subs are going to be the only time I made it past like this, you know, halfway mark of the second quarter, uh, was in a game that we got beat by like 40 points. So it didn't matter. <laughs> I, so I was like, all right, well, the work is done. That's funny. I don't know if there's a a rotation building tool out. I mean, the internet has so many fun little tools mm-hmm. like that. Like it was hard. It was hard to actually create a lineup. And I think that people will have like, you know, just a little bit more respect for for all the juggling you have to do. And I'm sure for someone like Rick Carlisle, it is, you know, in, ingrained in his DNA at this point. You know, just knowing when to do, you know, when to tweak and pull the right trigger and, you know, call the right person and all that stuff. But, you know, I thought it was actually fascinating to to kind of do this exercise. Uh, I'll, I'll leave us with one last topic. Do you have any strong opinions about uh, Luca and Kristaps and which one should be subbed early to, to come back early, in, you know, late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter and play with the second unit a little bit? Uh, should they both be played together, you know, as much as possible? Um, I like. I actually like what you did. I liked pulling Porzingis earlier and letting Luca get the second the second unit guys going. Again, this is about bridging gaps. So you leave Luca out there, and now all of a sudden, you've increased the ceiling of, of the unit that's on the court. Right. While you're getting Porzingis rest, and this is why so often when you have teams with multiple stars, you will hear people like myself getting frustrated at the lack of staggering. Well, this is what staggering looks like. You you kind of have, uh, if I'm if I'm right, you have Luca pan- playing about ten first quarter minutes, yeah, and then not coming back until about the six minute mark of the second quarter. He and Porzingis don't share the court together from six minutes in the first quarter until four minutes in the second quarter. Four Correct. minutes left in the second quarter. Correct. And so, what you're actually doing there is you're you're having one of your best players on the court at all times. That's huge. And then you're having them play pivotal moments, start of the game, coming out of the, uh, going into the half, coming out of the half, and end of the game together. And you're sneaking rest here and there. I think that's great. Uh, you know, th- those guys allow your second units to tread water and potentially even, you know, just mix up the look and, and gain an advantage. And then you play them together, and, and you're able to capitalize on on having both of your stars together. It sounds so obvious when you sit here and just you say it out loud, but there are so many coaches that do not stagger just as a general rule and they've been shot in the foot for it. Yeah. The the reasoning for me was, you know, everything you said, I think that Luca makes Hardaway better. We have very concrete evidence of that. So I tried to stick Hardaway and, and Luca. I tried to overlap their minutes as much as possible and then to a slightly lesser degree, I tried to overlap Richardson and, and Doncic's minutes because I think that's going to be another very symbiotic relationship where both of them are are boosted. What they do on the court will be boosted uh, by each other. Uh, and for for Porzingis, he has such a you know even when he doesn't have the ball, he has such a, a spacing impact on an offense just by the way he pulls out you know the the big man out, out to the perimeter. 
Um, and not just pulls them out a little ways, like like pulls them all the way out because people are scared to leave Porzingis open. And and that has such an impact. I think that if the Mavericks take a step back offensively this season, it, it will be because Porzingis misses a, a month or two months mm-hmm. or whatever with injury. Uh, but it will be, you know, the other reason would be because the second unit takes a bit of a step back. And I, I think making sure Porzingis gets some minutes with the backups is uh, is is crucial just to make sure, you know, to bully them, you know, mm-hmm. just to make sure that, you know, they, they still have space to operate. They still got, you know, that star guy to, to lean on if they need to. So that was my thinking. I think it makes sense. I, I think I think what you said about it was smart. So I think Porzingis and, and like Burke Brunson, like the smaller guards, I, that's actually it's pretty good. And it's a lot of yeah, speed. I like that. Right. It's a lot of yeah. speed in the pick and roll. And, and you know, he, he's going to space the floor. Um, it's not bad. It's a good thing. Um, it's at least worth again playing around with in the regular season. It, it yeah. should be, you know, very experimental once they figure out who they are. Yeah, and Carlo, Carlo, it's interesting. Carlo did the opposite uh, last season for the most part. When, when he was staggering, it tended to be Luca who came out early. But I, I would, I don't know. I just like Kristaps Porzingis better, and I, I think that either player, as long as you stagger one or the other, I, I think that's the right option ultimately. It's just easier because, you know, the, the two bench guards, Brunson and Burke, you probably don't want to play both of them with, with Doncic and both will come off the bench. So I think that's why that, that's the biggest reason why, you know, I think Luca is the one who, who plays longer and, and then sits until late. So I think that's all I have. I think we can, we can make that the ender, if, if you will. Yeah. One week. We're back. One week. Wow. Yeah. That is, um, that is correct. Yeah. And you've got Fast and Furious happening in the, in the background right now, which is uh, ah, you fitting. heard that? <laughs> yeah, we've got a we've got a whole street racing thing here in Dallas. It's, nice. Um, I know. I I'm going to come mean, down. We'll we'll you know we'll wear our masks and watch some street racing. Media will be allowed into the American Airlines. We got those emails today. So uh, today being Tuesday, um, I don't know why that would matter to anyone, but. <laughs> It's that thing where, like, on a podcast, when you say today, you're always supposed yeah, to. Yeah, I know. Like, like, I know. You're, you're I gotta supposed qualify to be like, oh. it now. Yeah, yeah. you got to qualify when it was, and then I just realized I qualified it for something that what Doesn't day it matter. happened has absolute <laughs> no meaning to anyone who's listening to this podcast. Can't, can't I'm, I apologize. We're, no, we're, keep we're working, that one in there. That that is that is, a, <laughs> that is a good blooper. This is this is preseason for all of us. We I Luca airballed twice in the game last night. Uh Who are we to not have a few air balls throughout this podcast? And with that, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. (laughs) It's a wrap, Doug. That is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.